seriously popular. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Hello, this is your It's All Kicking Off Weekend preview show. And I am happy to report that I am not alone. Chris is here, but that is not what I mean. Horses and ponies, ponies and horses. That was a bit of a theme on Monday <laughs> when I admitted that I've spent 53 and a half years believing that one grew into the other, namely that ponies are baby horses. I now know this to be an untruth. However, after Monday's mocking, I have some allies. Stu9903 on Spotify says, a pony becomes a horse like a lamb becomes a sheep. No, no. Dear me. Our own sports news correspondent, Mike Keegan, says, one million percent thought a pony was a baby horse. <laughs> While my old friend from ESPN, Mark Ogden, messaged me to say, if a pony isn't a horse, then what is a donkey? <laughs> Meanwhile, Pablo210 on Spotify, hilarious. Ian thinking a pony was a baby horse has made my day. Now look, when we started this podcast back in August, I think where we are now is where we really hoped we would get to. A bit of football, a bit of real life, and a bit of nonsense. I think we have finally got there. <laughs> I don't know, but I wouldn't I wouldn't be boasting about that. I'm not the only one. That's all I need to say. I'm not the only one. There are other people out there like, like Keegan. me. Uh, you know, what does that say about Mike? No surprise there. And an Oggy as well, Mark Ogden, who, who I know. Favorite. Yeah, but what about, what about, what about Stu on Spotify? Well, that, that's, a pony becomes a horse like a lamb becomes a that's, sheep. That says more about, more about Stu, doesn't it really? Dear me. Well, there we go. Stu, th Stu thanks for listening. Tell all your friends. <laughs> right, let's talk about football. Let's talk about football. I've been in Copenhagen, 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 watching Manchester City this week, and I can confirm they are still a very, very good football team. Um, but ahead of their game at home to Chelsea this weekend, Chris, I actually want to mention something to you that I found really interesting about the game um, in Denmark. So City were all over Copenhagen. They were, you know, endless possession, spent all the time in the Copenhagen half, um, creating chances. With half an hour to go, City were leading 2-1 at that point. Erling Haaland had touched the ball six times. And by full time, by, and by the time we got to 90 minutes, he touched the ball 
14 times. That's am- that's not a criticism, by the way, because the bloke scores goals like they're going out of fashion. But that's amazing, isn't it? In a team that has so much possession as Manchester City, for their star striker to be so uninvolved, apart from when he scores, is 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 a bit is confusing to me. It, I know what you mean. It, it, it isn't. It isn't though, because teams who who defend deep and they're trying to stop the ball actually going to Haaland because he is he is so prolific. And teams who defend deep, but uh, you know, with, with with plenty of bodies, they you know they, they surround him. And uh, and Manchester City, they move the ball. They're they're looking for an opening and a gap. Uh, and then you know he he comes alive, but th- this is this isn't a new thing with Haaland. I think if I remember, I, I think if I remember right, it was at Bournemouth uh, last season at, at the Etihad. He had may have been something ridiculous. I, I may be miles out, but you you know uh, a really no uh, low number of touches, something like nine touches or something stupid. Anyway, so you know it 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 does happen, um, and you know. But the fact of the matter is when. Uh, when he gets the service, he's he's so so reliable. I don't think that's anything which is going to worry Pep too much. Um, you know. Oh no! I mean, look. What was really interesting was that, like I said, it was at ninety minutes when he'd had fourteen touches, and then twice in the three minutes of added time, he had chances. He went through on goal, keeper saved. And then he had a head at the far post, keeper saved. So all of a sudden, he came alive. And then on the back of that, City came again and Foden got the third goal, which will probably be the clinching game of the tie. So, and like I say, it's not a criticism. It's just interesting. And how would you have coped if you were in that position? Would you have kind of got frustrated by having so little of the ball as a number um, nine? It's an interesting question. Um, I mean, I don't think you can necessarily compare that. I think the position Haaland uh, plays in is a centre-forward, I was a centre-forward, but it, there will be rules in the way that he is told that he needs to play and that's to occupy the the centre-backs as, as high as possible. I used to predominantly play in a, uh, in a 4-4-2, so would play with another striker and I would be the one in the main who would drop and try and link the play and be the focal point. I don't think Harland, I think he can do it, but I, I think he's he's told not to do it, if that's possible at uh, at Manchester City, because they want to free up De Bruyne or Silva or Foden, half turn, he's on the move and, and to find him. So that's, you know, slightly different, his role. It's interesting you say that. I was talking to a couple of journalists at, at the airport when we were coming home. And um, I, as, a, as a journalist, even though I've been doing this a long time, I'm always very aware that we are journalists. We are just normal people who are lucky enough to watch football for a living. We haven't played to a higher level. We're not tacticians. So we do always have to kind of understand that our level of understanding of football is nowhere near the people who've played the game and who, and who, and who, and who coach. But even we were saying that you can imagine Haaland coming deep to look for a ball and all of a sudden, you know, coming deep and finding that De Bruyne is there and uh, Bernardo Silva's there and Foden's already there. And even John Stones is already there. Pep doesn't want yeah. him in that position. He wants him high up. And then as yeah. soon as, as soon as Foden's in a, in a pocket of space or on the half turn, that's when, that's when Harlan comes alive and he make you know, yeah. he, he makes so many runs, yeah. doesn't he? And so many movements. And a lot of the time he doesn't see the ball, but he keeps making his, you know, he's, he's willing. He keeps making those movements, making those runs. And eventually it yeah. does come. And that's when it is his uh, lethal best. 
Yeah, without diving any deeper into it, I did also wonder how, if that, remember that summer when they were trying to buy Harry Kane or they wanted to buy Harry Kane. So if Harry Kane had come to City, you wonder how he would have got on there because obviously part of Kane's game, or certainly at Tottenham, he was always coming deep to get the ball. Does it for England all That's the time? That's interesting that, but I mean, as we've seen with Pep's teams over the uh, over the years, he just, he adapts, doesn't he? Pep, so he would have found a way of getting the best out of Harry Kane. He, he won a Premier League title, for heaven's sake, with, with that recognised centre-forward. So, you know, on, on the basis of how would Kane have fitted in, Pep would have found a way of playing to his strengths. I think Kane would have had to have adapted, don't you think? I think probably Kane, but like Aguero had to adapt when... when Anyway, we're going down a rabbit hole and we haven't got time for it on this show. But it's interesting, interesting thought. Now, one player who has adapted since he's been at City is Jack Grealish. Um, I'm a fan of Jack. You're a fan of Jack. Great season uh, last year uh, with City as, the, as they won the treble, pretty much finished the season as one of their main men. Hasn't gone for him this this season. Been out of the team. He got a start against Copenhagen on Tuesday night and came off with an injury after about 20 minutes. And I have to say, mate, he went down under a challenge, but it was it, it was apparent straight away that it was a muscle injury you could actually see the devastation on Grealish's face before he'd even hit the deck because he knew that he'd pulled something. And, and I felt desperately sorry for the lad. He is just, he is one player at that club who's having no luck this season. And I begin to wonder now how, how he's going to cope between now and the end of the season because what will also be in his mind is his England place ahead of the European Championships. I don't think... Do you think his England place is in... Jeopardy! I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't see it. Well, that in, way. in the in well, it would be a big surprise, Chris. But there are other candidates: James Madison, Cole Palmer. Um, you know, the, the, as long as the as we well as the Gareth ones that we loyal. know. Like, like, we we, we no, know we Gareth. I'm not. I'm not I, I think I'm talking about the. I, I think I'm talking about the team rather than the squad. I would imagine he'd be mm. in the squad. Anyway, it'll be it'll all be on his mind. That's what I'm saying. Now. How just give me a bit of an insight from a from a a player's point of view about how that's what it's like when you've got a season when you're in and out, whether it's because you're not being picked or because you're injured, you know, what it's like mentally when the team's flying or the team's playing and you're just not involved. Well so I mean I had I had a few times uh, in my career where I had uh longer spells out where you're trying to recover uh, from an injury, and you you always feel you're playing catch up. Uh, in that respect, you sort of want it to be. Have, have you heard of the hedonic treadmill? No, no. But it's you. You sort of want it to be eat, sleep, work, repeat. You you know you 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 want to get in a into a a, a rhythm where it you, it's the same process every day and. Uh, and of course, when you have injuries, it becomes a problem. You know, you 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 stop. Uh, you're always striving to get back uh, to that highest possible level of fitness, and you're trying to get back into the into the team as quickly as possible. But when you keep then lapsing, as uh, has done to Grealish this season, it, it becomes a problem, and it, it and it possibly it, it's very individual, but. I always found it affected my confidence. Fitness was the biggest uh, or the most important thing 
to my game. And you, you know, you can turn around and say, well, you, you know, you weren't the quickest player, you weren't the strongest player. I would accept all that. But when I was when I was a hundred percent fit, I had total confidence in my game. I knew that I would have bad uh, moments and bad games, but in general, mentally, I uh, I felt really strong. And I think when I had when I had uh, injury issues, you know, there's always that little bit of doubt mentally, that little bit of uncertainty. Uh, you know, will 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 your hamstring go again, or whatever injury you're coming back from? There's always that that danger of that. So, and that that seems to be uh, to be where Jack is at this moment in time. There's no there's no real flow. There's no rhythm, um, and it, it it's it's difficult for him at Manchester City because they are the best team in the land. They're the best team in the world, and also he's got Jeremy Doku, hasn't he? <laughs> Who's uh, who's a direct yeah. rival, and he's not helping Jack Grealish, whether you like it or not, because he's probably the number one there on that left hand side for uh, for Manchester City. And at this moment in time, Jack is going to have to sit and wait and recover and be ready when he does get the opportunity. I know they are they are different players, but Jack will be desperate to get back as quickly as possible. Many injury which he has. But then you need you, you you need time to bed yourself in and to, and to get to your, the level again and uh, and that's been his issue this season really. And how does it feel when you are injured and you're uh, and as the players go out to train on a Tuesday morning, you are either on the treatment table or if you're a little bit further along on the tread, treadmill or the exercise bike or something or heading to the pool. How does that how does that feel? Well, I mean, it's, it's just—it's not ideal. I mean, you know, everybody wants to train, to play, um, and and to be part of part of the first team, and that's it. And when you're injured, you feel like you're on the on the outside. And uh, I mean, you have to play regularly to feel as if you're part of, you know, of the team. It's like part you know, of the club. Part of the no, I, I do, I do part, think that it's, it's like it's like when. Um, you know, when Manchester United won the Champions League in uh, in '99, and and David May is you know celebrating wildly. This, is, this isn't this isn't knocking David May uh, mm-hmm. at all, mm-hmm. but you know he was a player on the periphery. I always you know talked about when Chelsea won the FA Cup, and I I was left out of the the squad for the final, but I didn't feel part of it. I've never really understood players who don't play in the nicest possible way because I know you are all part of it, but. You know, never, never been one for wildly celebrating when you're act, when you actually don't this, play a yeah, part but, as but, such. But this goes, but this goes back to perception. And we talked about this earlier in the season when there was that issue of um, Aaron Ramsdale wildly celebrating a David Ray a save from the substitutes bench, well, and a few people were saying, "Well, but the point." People were saying, "Oh, look, he's he's kind of doing that." on purpose for the cameras. But you made the point that in that situation, you're damned if you do and you're damned if you don't. Because if you don't, then you look like a sourpuss. I think it's the same as celebrating with your team, isn't it? If you don't do it, you look like you're sulking. Before we move on, clubs these days, when they when they redesign their training grounds or build new training grounds, that the modern uh, practice is to is to put the, the first team gym in a place where where it looks out onto the training pitches. The um, theory being that if you're a player who's injured and you're on the treadmill or you're on the exercise bike, 
being able to look out the window and see what you're missing, i.e. watching your teammates train, will make you extra motivated to get back. I mean, I just think that's almost like torture. I mean, that's, that's quite, I quite like that. That's, it's a tease, isn't it? It's like torture. I mean, surely an average footballer is motivated enough to come back without having to put, be put through the daily torture of seeing what is missing. I mean, it's like seeing your missus walk down the street holding hands with another bloke, surely. Is there something you want to tell us? <laughs> Nothing that's ever happened to me, obviously. But you know what I mean, though? You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like... Uh, well, it depends. Bit, it depends. It depends which way you want to look at it. I, I, I get. I get. I quite like that. You know. The, yeah, for yeah. I mean that that yeah. I mean that you get some players who uh, who are malingerers, who you know aren't yeah. bothered whether they uh, play or not. But I think most people, it's a it's an incentive. It's enticing you to get out there as soon as possible and, and to work harder. That's great. I don't, that's great. I don't, great I get it, I, that. I don't, anyway, look, going back to great knowledge. So just remind me, what the what? The hedonic treadmill? Hed, what's that? Hedonic I treadmill? I, I might be wrong with it. I think it's called the hedonic treadmill. And what was it? And it was what? Work, what does it say again? It eat, was work. Eat, sleep, work, repeat. So it's, it's, you, get in a, you get in a rhythm. I think my hedonic treadmill is eat, eat, eat and sleep. <laughs> <laughs> no, but you repeat it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You do repeat it. There so so right. that is. We you, you can make your own. You can, it, this one. Let's put that out to the listeners. You can make your own hedonic treadmills up. You know, whatever suits you. That's just a basic form. Hold that thought. We'll be back right after this. Tired of ads barging into your favourite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free. Or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Now, City could be five points behind by the time they play on Saturday evening because Brentford play Liverpool in the 1230 game Saturday um lunchtime. Now, that's at Brentford. Now, Liverpool have got the next three games in the league are Brentford, Luton, Forest. And that to me feels like they're going to have to win those three simply because after that little run comes their crunch game with Man City at Anfield and then the Merseyside derby away at Goodison Park. They need to be, they need to be, they can't afford any separation between themselves and City. We all know, right, that Liverpool have to be ruthless. That 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 goes without saying. We you know we no nobody I've met in the last week or two has changed the mind about Manchester City because you just you just feel it and you you look at their bench every week and the the ability to change things. We shouldn't be judging Liverpool just based on that one Arsenal game. They actually recovered okay against uh, against Burnley. Uh, saw the pictures of Mo Salah back on the uh, on the back in full training. I mean that's that's absolutely enormous. So they've got a lot lot to look forward to. The the teams they've got um, you know coming up. You mentioned um, you know Brentford, who they've conceded a few goals against in uh, you know in in recent times. But they have to be. They Jurgen Klopp knows they have to be absolutely ruthless. But I wouldn't I wouldn't be ruling Liverpool out because of their fire. No, no, I, and you, I, you weren't not, mate, in I'm fairness. Just, no, what I'm saying is, 
I just think that we're in that we're in this typical Man City cycle again. But City are the best team, right? In my opinion, City are the best team, right? But that doesn't mean that doesn't mean they win the league because bad because good teams can have bad runs. But I see them. They're eleven unbeaten now. If you about well, eleven wins on the spin, if you go all the way back to the start of the World Club Cup, eleven wins. On, and this is what they do. And I can just imagine if Liverpool aren't careful, they're going to get to the end of May when the season ends and they're going to look back and they'll have lost like three games all season, but somehow haven't won the league. Well, they've had, they've seen this movie before, before, haven't they? And all that exactly it, mate. That's what I'm saying. And they are in this dreadfully difficult position of knowing that they've pretty much got to win everything. And they've certainly got to win that game against Manchester City at Anfield next month. And and it'll be ideal for them to get there still with this two point cushion. That's what I'm trying to get at. I think. Well, we got there got in the three end. games. But, well, that's how I started. Brentford, Luton, Forest. They've got to win those three games. The third day, I'm going to cover Sunday afternoon. Luton at home to Manchester United. Now, um, Made Online ran a piece early this week, headlined "How Eric Ten Hag Turned United's Season Around." Um, are we a bit early for that? <laughs> I was at Villa Park on Sunday. Brilliant game. United United could easily have lost that game four two. Yeah, and uh, and you know one of my favourite phrases is uh, you know uh, uh, getting the bunting out. I wouldn't be getting the bunting out at uh, at Manchester United uh, just yet. I think they've gone early, yeah, and for the reasons which you've said. And you know you look at the teams they've uh, you know they've beaten Newport County in that uh, particular run. Wolves, you know, pretty decent. West Ham. uh, West Ham where, you know, apparently the wheels have come off and David Moyes is the worst manager in the world all of a sudden. Um, So, you know, in that respect, I think that they, it does seem that they've turned a little bit of a a corner uh, and there were a lot of things to like about Manchester United's display um, as Aston Villa. But you've nailed it. The flip side of that is Aston Villa did not deserve uh, to lose that game. And on another, uh, any given uh, day, you know, they could have lost that game. Anana uh, played well. Uh, they are not out of the woods yet. The thing, the three, the three things that I liked about that Manchester, Manchester United performance, particularly, and you've mentioned one of them, uh, Scott McTominay, obviously, amazing winning goal. I mean, that bloke just keeps coming, bouncing back and... Um, mm-hmm. And doing good things for a manager who wanted to sell him last summer. Um, but also Andre Nana in the United goal, who um, I read some criticism of his distribution on Sunday and of the way and of the way he was organised his back four. I think that's above my level of understanding when it comes to goalkeepers. All I could see was a bloke who kept making brilliant saves, um, which is what he's paid to do. Um, and also Harry, Harry Maguire. I mean, England English football's renaissance man. Yeah. I mean, what? What that's I don't know. If you if I ever needed a heart transplant, I think I'd want Harry Maguire's because that bloke, what he's been through football wise, and the way he's come back to the level that he's come back at, deserves all the uh, all the praise in the world. But but those two at the back, Maguire and Anana, I thought really really got United through. And if they are to surprise the world and finish in the top four this season, then they're going to need a bit more of that. Yeah, I, I think the point you make about Harry Maguire uh, absolutely nailed it. I can't remember a player who's taken as much of a kicking and he just keeps getting up. When he gets the opportunity into the team, he's so, so reliable. 
And, uh, you know, I think everybody thought his days were numbered at Manchester United. I did. Um, and yet he keeps proving people wrong time and time again. And you know what, Chris? The thing about him is he's never, ever moaned about it publicly. I have no idea what he said privately or what's gone through his head. I can imagine. But publicly, he's never moaned about it. I've, you know, I was at Hamden um, last autumn when he had that awful night lampooned by Scottish fans, scores an own goal, comes out afterwards and stand there, stands there and talks about it. And it's not the first time he's done it after England duty. Answers the questions, talks about the difficulties he's faced, never, ever moaned about it. I just think it's he has shown extraordinary resolve in the last uh, year, two, two years. You and I have joked about it many times before because you thought he shouldn't have gone to the World Cup last time and I took the piss out of you because he had a good World Cup. But we've moved on from that now. He's come back. He's he's proved a manager who wanted to sell him wrong. And I tell you what, I know he doesn't wear that captain's armband anymore. Bruno Fernandes has got that. But a captain's armband is only a piece of cotton at the end of the day. And the spiritual leader of that football team, when he plays, when he's fit, is Harry Maguire, as far as I'm concerned. So you'd give him the armband back then if you were... No, I wouldn't, mate, because he doesn't need it. He doesn't need it to lead. He doesn't need it. And maybe it was playing, weighing him down a little bit. Maybe he was finding it too much when he was in poor form to be captain as well. He just let the guy play. Pick him every week while he's fit and let him play because at the moment he's Manchester United's best defender. You wouldn't give your greatest leader the armband. He's leading anyway, mate. He's leading anyway. Um, A little bit on Luton. A little bit on Luton. I, I I know I'm starting to sound as though I'm obsessed with fixtures uh, today, but I'm going to say it. Um, they you had a bit you of actually a look loss. like a fixture secretary. You, If I could like, picture <laughs> a fixture secretary, you would be there. No, person. I'm far too disorganised, mate. No, I'm far too, disor- too disorganised. No, seriously. If I was in charge of fixtures, I mean, Liverpool would, Liverpool would have played seven times on the same weekend by now. Um, um, Luton, poor little bit of a blip last weekend, lost at home to Sheffield United. little Nobody bit. Expected. Nobody expected that. Now their problem, I'm just full of problems, their problem is that they've got Liverpool, Arsenal, Tottenham, Man City, all away between now and the end of the season. So games like this one, you know, they've they've, they've terrified big teams at home this season, but they haven't beaten many of them. They've had a lot of glorious failures at home, losing by an odd goal, performing heroically. They're going to need to win some home games if they're going to stay up. I fear for them a little bit still, despite how well I've done. Yeah, I mean, in in terms of a result against, or, or in terms of their result at the weekend uh, against Sheffield United, that, I think, was pretty disastrous. Just because of the, the whole mindset going into the game that we're going to beat Sheffield United, they are the bottom team, we've been on a good run, confidence is there. I think that that, it's going to it's going to be really interesting this game against um, against Manchester United because Luton have to recover really I think just so the seeds of doubt uh, you know don't really uh, start to escalate uh, so that'll be that that will be interesting and we're only gonna we're only gonna tell um, you know in the next few games whether Luton recover or not I think. With their with their away form, I wouldn't be overly concerned. I know they're tough fixtures, but we saw them go up to Newcastle, and people can make what they like about Newcastle. But they took the game to Newcastle. They've 
They've uh, developed the way they play this season. They're braver than other teams in and around them at the bottom. They are they are more organised. I hope from a Luton perspective uh, that the defeat against Sheffield United was one which uh, mm. they learn from, and that that shakes them up, and they you know gives them that that resolve and that fight where we can't let anything like this happen again. Yeah, it's one of those. It feels a little bit like. Um... It'll either it'll either be a blip or it'll be a blip that becomes a problem. Mm. It'll only become a problem yeah. if they have another bad bad weekend this time. Now, finally, before we go, Lewis Smith, um, who's from Wigan, so it must be a good lad. Lewis Smith will referee Fulham versus Aston Villa on Saturday. He's thirty years old. He's gone from the National League to the Premier League in ten months. He didn't referee a Championship game until last October. I am all for that. If you're good enough, you're old enough, and all that. I know some people will will raise an eyebrow. What's your take on who? who who's going to raise an eyebrow? No, some people will say, "Oh, some people say, oh, he's not experienced enough. He hasn't done the hasn't done the grounding." Soon as he makes a mistake, they'll say, "Oh, he's too young. He's been fast tracked too quickly." I will say here and now, whatever happens to him on Saturday, and I hope he has a great game. I I applaud that from PGMOL because I think it's a sign of the way that Howard Webb, who I have criticised at times, is prepared to be forward thinking, brave, put his money where his mouth is, and look at a young referee and just think he's good enough. He's going, he's having his chance. I'm 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 very very comfortable with it. Yep, and I'm not going to disagree with anything that you have said, but let's just wait and see. Over a period of time, it's. It's his ability to do the job. And obviously Howard Webb sees something in him or the PGMOL sees something in him uh, and have fast-tracked him. And I'm all for that, but let's just see. As as we have to give managers time and players time, it's no different for uh, for referees. Good luck to him. Absolutely. Good luck, Lewis. We will be rooting for you, mate. It's not an easy job. And I hope your debut in the Premier League uh, goes well. Right. Thank you for listening, everybody. Um, Please remember to go to uh, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts, leave some comments, leave a review. Please do subscribe. Got a nice comment here from Fergal Favier on Spotify. I thought you were going to say Fergal Sharkey for a minute. (laughs) Fergal Favier on Spotify, who said... Been looking for one football podcast to listen to after the weekend games, and this is now the one I have settled on. But enough of all that. I thought you were going to say. I thought you were going to say, but I haven't found it yet. (laughs) Enough of all that, Fergal. What's your view on baby horses, mate? Let's hear it. Come on, right it that right. That is it. We are done. We will see you on Monday. Cheers. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads.